the name, image, and likeness train has left the station or the horse has left the barn, whatever metaphor you choose to use. The Supreme Court delivered a 9-0. to zero. That's right, unanimous beatdown on the NCAA in the case of NCAA v. Alston. We are going to dig into what that means for the student athlete in your life, possibly, or if you are involved in sports and entertainment marketing or contracting or uh, you are involved in marketing for services and products and you're looking for a unique way to get your message across, guess what? There is a large new category of brand ambassador that's now available to you. you. Guys ready? And ladies, here we go. You're listening to Creative Confidential with Brian Tuck. Creative Confidential starts now. Welcome back, everyone. Brian Tuck here, your host at Creative Confidential. This is a podcast for entrepreneurs, business owners, risk takers, creatives. But if you're not in one of those categories, that's okay too, because, you know, we still love you. And uh, eventually, we'll get you to come around and see the light. The subject of today's episode at first might seem like it's not going to be important to you. However, anyone who has a son or daughter in NCAA sports doesn't have to be football, could be anything, lacrosse, soccer, softball, baseball, basketball, swimming, curling, golf, you name it, whatever it is. If you have a son or a daughter in NCAA sports or you have an up-and-coming high schooler that is about to enter that world, the financial landscape for you is much different than it was three weeks ago or four weeks ago, rather. And what we're talking about today is the NCAA changed its rule on name, image, and likeness rights. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, until a few weeks ago, the NCAA had a very strict rule that prohibited any student athlete from receiving financial compensation based on their name, image, or likeness. So in other words, there were no endorsement deals for college athletes is really what it boils down to. Now, as you can imagine, with the scope of the finances of the NCAA, with the millions and millions and billions of dollars that that organization has brought in over the years, looking no further than March Madness, uh, you know, just that event alone is a 10 figure a year proposition. All right, that's a billion-dollar enterprise. Just, just that month, just the tournament. When you take into account all of that money that the NCAA is getting, 
when you look at the salaries of some of these NCAA coaches, you wonder why on earth the student athletes were always shut out. They were never able to participate in any financial upside. Well, that all changed. And here's why. So let's let's go back a little bit because I think you need the context for this in order for this to really make sense. The U.S. Supreme Court handed down a unanimous decision decided on June 21 of this year. So uh, from the time I'm recording this, four weeks ago. The caption on the Supreme Court case is NCAA v. Alston. In actuality, this is a decision of a lower court, a lower federal court, where the where the, the lawsuits were filed by former student athletes uh, that were all, I think, Division One, if I remember this correctly. And basically, the plaintiffs in the case, in the lower courts, argued that the NCAA was violating the Sherman Act, that's the antitrust law at the federal level, and that its policies were anti-competitive, violated antitrust rules, and most specifically, Section 1 of the Sherman Act, right up front. And the Sherman Act at Section 1 prohibits contracts or combinations or conspiracies in restraint of trade or commerce. Citation there, in case you're interested in looking that up, is Title 15, U.S. Code Section 1. All right, 15 U.S.C. 1. Justice Gorsuch really does a great job in providing a brief history of the intersection of money, commerce, and collegiate sports going all the way back to the late 1800s. So for my lawyer friends that might be listening to this, go read the opinion. Uh, It's actually um, worth a look, Uh, not to say that other Supreme Court opinions are not worth a look. They are. But this one, uh, it's actually a a fairly uh, breezy read, and I mean that in the best way possible with uh, sort of a history of of uh, sports and commerce on the front. We will skip any discussion of the standard of review. That was one of the issues uh, upon uh, the appeal was did the Court of Appeals use the correct standard of review in considering what the district court did. Let's just move on from that because I don't think it's germane to what we're doing here with the podcast. There are a couple of quotes that I do want to pull out here and read to you, and I'll link to the actual opinion in the show notes here, uh, so you can go read it for yourself if you are so inclined. So remember now, the the main issue in the case is the student-athletes argued that the NCAA's restriction on student-athletes earning compensation was anti-competitive and violated the Sherman Act. That's what this whole thing is about. One of those quotes is the following, quote, based on a voluminous record, 
the district court held that the student-athletes had shown the NCAA enjoys the power to set wages in the market for student-athlete labor and that the NCAA has exercised that power in ways that have produced significant anti-competitive effects. So if you hear the word antitrust and you're not sure what the practical effect of that is on our lives, think of antitrust as anti-competition. What happens when there's no competition? Well, there's no, there's no optimization of pricing. There's no optimization of wages. So in an anti-competitive environment, wages don't go up and prices don't go down. A violation of the antitrust laws harms consumers. That's why the Sherman Act exists. That's why we've got it. Another important aspect of this ruling, and I want to applaud Justice Gorsuch for really restricting the scope of the opinion only to those issues which the NCAA raised. For better or worse, a lot of people out there that look at the U.S. Supreme Court as some kind of super legislature. They are not. That's not the purpose of the federal courts. The purpose of the federal courts is to interpret the laws that are passed by the U.S. Congress. And there's an interesting quote in here in the opinion from the Ninth Circuit, which was the court from which this appeal uh, arose to the Supreme Court. And Justice Gorsuch writes, for our part, though, we can only agree with the Ninth Circuit. Here's the quote. The national debate about amateurism in college sports is important, but our task as appellate judges is not to resolve it, nor could we. Our task is simply to review the district court judgment through the appropriate lens of antitrust law. That is music to my ears, and I'll tell you what. Having judicial restraint is so, so important. It's Congress's job to write the law. Don't let those guys and ladies off the hook. They got to do their job. It's not the purpose of the judiciary to become an unelected, lifetime tenured super legislature. That would be uh, very, very dangerous to, to the country, to say the least. So I applaud the court uh, in this opinion, for sure, uh, on, on that point. The third quote I want to bring up to you from the opinion actually comes from Justice Kavanaugh's concurring opinion. Uh, it's the only companion opinion uh, to what Justice Gorsuch wrote for the majority, or I'm sorry, for the court, actually, because it was a 9-0 decision. Justice Kavanaugh says, here's the quote, in my view... The NCAA's argument is circular and unpersuasive. The NCAA couches its arguments for not paying student-athletes in innocuous labels. But the labels cannot disguise the reality. Here comes the kicker. The NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America. And then he goes to cite different examples from healthcare or from legal services or from the restaurant industry. Kavanaugh does not mince words. And again, well worth a read. It's a, it's it's 
by Supreme Court standards, it's not that long of an opinion. It's only, it's like 45 pages. It's not that long. So lawyer friends, go check that out. Now, for everyone else who's wondering if you've made it this far in, who are wondering, well, what does this all mean? Let's look at what it all means. This issue has been brewing for years, years and years. Uh, the underlying litigation in the district courts was brought uh, almost, let's see, like eight or 10 years ago. I mean, it, this has taken a long time to get up to the Supreme Court, which is the way the process works. What this means is that today, right now, your student athlete can go out and get an endorsement deal. Now, it doesn't have to be a million dollars. Doesn't even have to be tens of thousands of dollars. But guess what? If there's some local business that wants to hire your son or daughter as a brand ambassador, let's say they're they're paid five thousand dollars for the year to promote a product or a service on their social media channels. Well, that's permissible now. And as a parent. You know, I have one in college now. I'm going to have two in college in a couple of years. As a parent who is looking for ways to pay for school, guess what? 2500 here, 5000 over here, 10000 over here. It all adds up. It's all, um, it's all welcome. You know, it, it, look at it as if it's a scholarship by another name. Now, let's look at some examples. It's interesting the speed with which some of these endorsement deals were announced is, is startling. Let's, let's take a look at a few. And there, there are numerous examples. This is just from a CNN report. Uh, let's see, when did this come out? 5 a.m. today. No, wait, July 4th, I'm sorry. So this is actually a couple weeks old. Uh, University of... Miami quarterback De'Ara King signing an endorsement deal with College Hunks hauling junk. Okay. We've got Fresno State college basketball players Haley and Hannah Cavender who have more than 3 million followers on TikTok and do, announced endorsement deals with Boost Mobile and Six Star Nutrition. Lexi Sun, All-American volleyball player at the University of Nebraska, announced her own apparel line. University of Nebraska basketball players Trey and Bryce McGowans. Their podcast is now sponsored by a tavern and bar, unnamed, of course, uh, in the story here, in Lincoln, Nebraska. And it was also reported this week I don't recall the the news outlet, uh, whether it was ESPN or, or, or where it was, that uh, Nick Saban, the coach from University of Alabama, had mentioned that the incoming freshman quarterback. Okay, so this this young man was a high school senior four months ago, uh, was was offered an endorsement deal with an unnamed company for almost seven figures was the, was the, uh, was what was reported. It wasn't very specific. Go Google that and you'll, you'll quickly 
see what I mean. So in terms of what this means for the man on the street, in terms of what this means for the average family that has a an NCAA student athlete, which of which, by the way, there are over 400,000 in the country right now uh, from from what I read preparing for this. It's great for free enterprise, for young entrepreneurs that want to put a deal together with some brand or with some product. Now's the time. Fairly soon, the, you know, the conferences, the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, you know, fairly soon, there will be an attempt to legislate this. Okay, the uh, University of North Carolina just launched a group licensing program to organize group endorsement deals for its players. Now, one of the things that is interesting here is that these endorsement deals, right, the actual content, the video, the photos, etc., in order for the student to use the team's logo or the team's colors or the team's uniform in that content, you're going to have to license that from the school. So these endorsement deals may, to some extent, still involve the universities that these student athletes play for. Um, However, I expect because of the mountain of dollars that will be involved in this, fairly soon the colleges and universities are going to find a way to insert themselves in in these endorsement deals. So it's an interesting time for anybody in this space. Just keep your eyes open and and read as much as you can. This is changing very rapidly. Uh, This is evolving very, very quickly. I hope that uh, the information here was of help to you. And If you have any questions, just send me a note. You can reach me at brian at tucklaw.com, B-R-Y-A-N at T-U-K-L-A-W dot com. It's in the show notes. And I hope you are all staying safe. Hope you all had a great summer. We're going to be back with a ton of more of these episodes because it's fun. And uh, I hope it adds a little bit of value to everybody's experience. So that's all I have for this time. If you haven't subscribed to this show on your favorite podcasting platform, subscribe now and you'll get new episodes pushed to you every time an episode comes out. All right, that's all I got. Everybody be cool. I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening and please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. 